As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's time for Straight Outta Cobham, the Chelsea FC podcast from The Athletic. On this episode, Palace Points crystallise Chelsea's credentials, we answer your slash someone else's tweets, and we talk the great and the ghastly Chelsea debuts of your. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic, this is Straight Outta Cobham. Well, that was a lovely old way to open the season, wasn't it, listener? And Matt Davis-Adams talking at you, joined by one of The Athletic's finest and a man who used to be a fine athlete. Uh, hello, Liam Toomey. Where did that come from? <laughs> Sorry, I'm so thrown off by the athlete thing. I've ne- I, I've only ever been a luxury five-a-side footballer. I'm afraid. But no, this isn't you. This is our other guest. So you're one of the athletics finest and a fine athlete. You see, I'm trying to. Ah, you see, if I was back in my sub-editing days, I would have noticed that spoken <laughs> comma. So you're not a fine athlete, just for confirmation. Never ever been a fine. Never knowingly been a fine athlete. Okay, um, Sam, you were. Have you had a nice weekend? I think despite churning out many appearances, I don't think I've ever been um, described as an athlete <laughs> or a fine one at that. But yeah, good weekend. Um, loads of football, tired already from the amount of action uh, and lots of kids parties with, with my son. Classic. Uh, all right. So so to, to revise the intro, it's me and two other blokes talking about football. Uh, so it was a winning start to the Premier League season for Chelsea. We look back on Saturday's London Derby next. Overage to shoot, so he yes! How about this? Trevor Chaloba on his Premier League debut. His first Chelsea goal. It's a beauty. It's a moment. It's wonderful. You know this club since I was eight. Been obviously playing at Stamford Bridge. Well, I've been watching a lot of games. Being ball boy. Obviously now finally playing here has been amazing. When I when I scored, I just didn't know what to do. I just dropped to my knees and just I was crying really. It's an amazing moment for myself and my family. Chelsea 3, Crystal Palace nil. then every bit as comfortable as that sounds for the Blues who cruised through the game. Fabulous Marcus Alonso free kick and the customary Christian Pulisic goal against Palace had the Blues two up at the break before Trevor Chaloba, more on whom later, put the cherry on the cake in the second half. I was there. Listener, maybe you were there too. Simon Johnson certainly was. Here's what our pal had to say post-match. And the final whistle goes off to Chelsea's first Premier League 
game of the season and it's a cruise in the Stamford Bridge sunshine. What a uh, comfortable afternoon it was for Chelsea, far more than perhaps I was expecting. How wrong was I, as I uh, tweeted on my Twitter account. Uh, Crystal Palace under Patrick Vieira, spot the difference competition. Um, I didn't really see any difference between him and Roy Hodgson, but early days for him. But, look, let's get on to the real story here. Yes, Marcus Alonso scored a beautiful free kick. Yes, Christian Pulisic scored from close range to make it 2-0. But the story is all about Trevor Chaloba. He was asked to shoot from the Stamford Bridge fans. And my word, he delivered a fantastic strike into the bottom corner on his Premier League debut. And the only thing that bettered the goal was his reaction. You could tell he just couldn't believe what he just achieved. And now there's a real decision to be made here at Chelsea Football Club. There's been a number of youth players that have been allowed to go this summer. Can they really let this guy go? has been, uh, as Liam Toomey reported, the plan was to let him leave on loan. Well, he looks like he's too good to go on loan. He looks like the real deal. And do Chelsea really need to spend another 40-odd million on Jules Cundé when they've got a guy that can fit in and do the job now? Certainly, uh, decisions are going to have to be made with a few weeks left in the transfer window. But a packed Stamford Bridge, and my word, how we've missed fans back at Stamford Bridge. It's been a fantastic afternoon to have them all back again. They're in great voice. Chelsea made a perfect start to the Premier League season. And uh, they'll be looking forward to Arsenal next weekend. Will Chalibur be in the starting lineup? Anyway, I'm now off on holiday. It's over to uh, Liam Toomey and Dominic Firefield to uh, keep the uh, campaign rolling in, uh, in winning ways. Two major talking points there. Uh, one, is it just me or does Simon sound a lot more cockney on a voice note than he does on the pod? Uh, and two, Trevor Chaloba. Now, I've had a shed load of tweets on Trev. Should that be a shed end load of tweets, maybe? Uh, many thanks to everyone who sent one in. People like Simon asked want to know, is Chaloba now going to stay at Stamford Bridge for the season? And how does this affect Chelsea's pursuit of Jules Koundé? Uh, Liam, you've been on this one for The Athletic. What's the latest? Does Saturday change anything? Well, we're still trying to find out exactly how it might shift the landscape. I mean, I think the Super Cup as well feeds into that, you know, playing 120 minutes. And I thought being Chelsea's best player in that game, there's no argument that that Chalaba has made the absolute most of the opportunities been given by Tuchel in these these first two matches. Last week, I was being told that um, he was preparing to go on loan. um, And it was just a case of deciding where. And and that was quite a tricky decision because some of the bigger clubs that were in for him, um, Valencia among them, wanted to play him as a number six in midfield. Whereas he sees himself, and it certainly seems as though Tuchel sees him as a ball-playing defender. So that, that, that was all part of the decision-making. But then, of course, he gets picked for the Super Cup. I don't think he was expecting to. Plays every minute, plays as well as he does, and then carries that momentum into the Premier League and... You know, you can almost take his goal out of it. It's an it's an amazing moment, but it's not it's not going to be the reason why he stays at Chelsea or not. It's just an amazing moment. I'm more impressed by the way he's defended, the way he's fitted into Tuchel's system, the way he's done everything that's been required of him tactically with and without the ball. And I think Chelsea do have a real decision to make, and it's entirely to his credit that 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 they do. And I think Tuchel really likes him. It's just whether he wants him this year or maybe wants him to come back next year. Felt significant, Sam, that that Kurt Zuma was on the bench and Chaloba started ahead of him. That that might mean something. 
yeah, he's got a full complement to to pick from really at the moment. So that's credit to how well he's done in the preseason and obviously in that Super Cup game. Um, loved him with and without the ball at the weekend. I love that ability to just pause when he receives the ball to slow the opponent down and then shift it into the space to be able to step into midfield. And I think vitally important that one of the three can do that uh, in, in this Chelsea side, getting more and more comfortable with the ball. Um, strong when defending. There was a moment in the second half up against Zaha uh, where he showed a little bit of petulance. And I just love that character from the Chelsea youngsters. I remember Reese James having an early test up against Zaha last season and passed with flying colours. And again, yeah, the... the the capability to get involved in the rough and tumble and not get overawed was was impressive as well. So he's given the manager a lovely problem, especially when we come on to discuss those midfield options as well, because we know that he's perfectly capable playing in there. But just a wonderful, wonderful moment. So emotive. Um, you could you could feel it watching it, couldn't you? They do seem to teach them how to body opponents at Cobham, don't they? Between Rhys James, Trevor Chalibur and a few of the others. They like the physical element of the, of those Premier League tussles. Yeah, and they definitely, you know, they've got it there. On the name thing, by the way, I go with Chaloba. I did ask Nathaniel this years ago and he said, I don't care what you call me. But when I pushed him, he said, either is acceptable, but I call myself Chaloba. So that's what I'm going with. But you can call him Chalabar if you like, listener. Um, Liam, I mentioned that, that Kurt Zuma was an unused sub. Same for Tammy Abraham. And we hear he's had slash is having his medical at Roma. So, so that's... Seems like he's decided that that's the place for him. Did, was the Arsenal interest not really there? And, and presumably he's realised that, that he's going to be playing second fiddle at best this season for Chelsea. I think the Arsenal interest was there, but it never manifested in the way that Roma's interested into an actual offer and the kind of concerted effort that Roma have made over the last few days to persuade him to come to Italy. I mean, they had Thiago Pinto coming to London, Jose Mourinho calling him to, to sell him on kind of his vision for the team and, and where Tammy fits into that. Um, so they really pulled out all the stops. And I think Chelsea will see this as a as a big win, the best case scenario that they, they could have been hoping for because they, they didn't want to sell Tammy Abraham to Arsenal. They probably would have had a lot more trouble getting any sort of a buyback option in a deal like that anyway. Uh, instead, they get, to, they get to sell him abroad, give him two years, you know, to develop in Serie A. They bank a nice fee, thirty-four million pounds now, albeit I think it's going to be paid in instalments. Um, and then in two years' time, if Tammy Abraham becomes the striker that I know a lot of people think he can become, and I, I'm still very high on Tammy Abraham's potential, then they've got that option to sign him back for the double the money, sixty-eight million. Um, which, if he does become, you know, one of the best goal scorers in Europe, um, in the best case scenario, that's a pretty good price. Uh, so I, I think um, Chelsea will look at this as a win, a win now and also a deal that gives them flexibility um, in the next couple of years if if they want to bring Tammy Abraham back. If he wants to come back, of course, that's another factor. Um, but in the meantime, also leaves the number nine shirt open for Romelu Lukaku. Uh, so he didn't feature against Palace. Neither, Sam, did Callum Hudson-Odoi, which I was slightly surprised about, given that he was one of the mainstays in, in pre-season. Were you, were you caught off guard by that? And was there anything else in terms of the Chelsea lineup that that uh, caused you to raise your eyebrows or scratch your head? Um, I would say the security of 
uh, Trevor Chaloba having Azpilicueta in front of him for this game where you may have Wilf Zaha pull into that left-hand side, irrelevant if he started uh, in a 4-3-3 or, or as he did kind of um, uh, off the striker. So I think that area of the pitch, you get that you get that sense of security, don't you, with Azpilicueta in there. Not that Hudson-Odoi neglects his defensive duties, but... I think Azpilicueta is going to be a big part of this side this season. You just need to look at the amount of games he's played under Tuchel and compare that to the amount of games that Callum Hudson-Odoi has played for the new manager, especially the big games. Didn't really go for him in the Champions League uh, latter stages last year, certainly not in the FA Cup, if memory serves me right. So it wasn't too much of a surprise, but I suppose it's a case for Callum Hudson-Odoi. Does he want to, or is he going to stick around and be that, um, uh, versatile player that can play in a number of positions. I think him and Pulisic tick the box in that regard. Um, Hudson Odoi can play probably as a as a number ten. He can play wide. Uh, he can certainly play a wide position if he was to go to a back four and play a, a four two three one, for example. So I suppose that's up to the club and the player to iron out in the next few couple of uh, weeks. Yeah, and we assume there's going to be well over 60 games for Chelsea this season, all being well. So there'll be plenty of football for everybody, you would think. Uh, finally, on the Palace game, Liam, this was the absolute ideal opponent for Chelsea to face, wasn't it? Even though they played 120 minutes on Wednesday, Palace, who played 4-3-3 all pre-season, switched to two up front, didn't lay a glove on Chelsea. And yeah, they got plenty of work to do by the looks of it. Yeah, I think this is the type of game you want on the Premier League's opening day. Um, because while Palace have dangerous players... You know, Sam just spoke about Zaha. You always have to be aware of him. New coach, lots of new players trying to find themselves as a team. That's not really the the kind of time you want to be playing a team like Chelsea. So uh, I, I thought from the moment Alonso's free kick went in, Chelsea never looked in danger. They were com- in complete control. Unlike a lot of games last season, they got the goals to um, cement that control, even without Lukaku. And in the end, just the absolute ideal start to the season for them, particularly when you look in the broader context of the weekend. Manchester United won convincingly, Liverpool won convincingly and and City slipped up early. Um, So I I think it kind of sets up the top of the Premier League in the most intriguing way right from the start where you've got the champions immediately chasing and the three contenders laying down early markers. Well, next up for Chelsea is Arsenal away. We'll look ahead to that game on Thursday's pod. Next today, we'll get to some tweets. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. 
Remember, you can tweet me with a question for the pod at your leisure, at Matt Davis Adams is the handle to use. Here's some that have come in over the weekend. This one's from Tushar, who asks, a lot of fan backlash pre-game on Kovacic being handed the number eight instead of Mount, as many would have wanted it to be. Does this underline Chelsea and Tuchel's trust in Kovacic and that Chelsea won't be looking for new recruits like Declan Rice at that spot anytime soon. Uh, Lynn, we've had loads of questions about who's going to be the, the fourth midfielder. Kovacic, it would seem, is, well, he's definitely in the top three, isn't he? But uh, yeah, is, is anybody else likely to come in now, do you think? And it's not somebody who's going to really take Kovacic, Jorginho or Kante's place, is it? It's going to be a backup, if anybody. Yeah, and that's why that role is quite difficult to fill. Um, I think Chelsea and Tuchel would have quite liked it to have been someone like Billy Gilmore or Conor Gallagher. But, you know, these guys that primarily uh, still see themselves as in the developmental phase of their career. They want to play regular minutes. They don't want to be behind a Ballon d'Or candidate, a European Championship winner and a guy who's won you know, a handful of Champions Leagues. So it's going to be a tricky position to fill. We know they like Declan Rice. We know they like um, Chimeni, young, promising French midfielder. We don't have anything new to report on either of those. We'll see that I wouldn't rule out Chelsea signing a central midfielder, but it's it's quite a difficult pitch to make that will you come in and be the fourth guy. Um, in any case, I wouldn't read too much into squad number politics because uh, it, it's pretty random at the best of times. I think Mount has always been more fascinated with the number 10 shirt in his career than the number eight. It was it was Lampard who actually persuaded him to take the number eight at Derby. And the, the reason he's, I think I saw an interview with him on Chelsea TV, wasn't it, earlier this week, where he was saying the reason why he play, wears number 19 is because 1 plus 9 equals 10. <laughs> a very Ivan Zamorano logic <laughs> uh, from Mason Mount, if he even knows who Zamorano is, I don't know. Um, Sam, I mean, if Ross Barkley was in any doubt about his status within the Chelsea squad, he's not anymore because he doesn't have a number at all, never mind not having the number 8. Were you, were you always big on, on you being the number 9 in your squad numbers or you just take what you're given? Everyone wants to be number 10, don't they? Um, and I was no different. I think I got it at Oldham for seven games on loan, but um, quickly got typecast as a number nine, especially when my my hair started to go and I shaved my head. That that was me. No, no going back from there. Um, but no, I don't think players are overly concerned. Mason's worn um, number 19 for club and country, as did Paul Gascoigne, famously. Uh, um Italian 90 so he's in he's in good company there the midfield options I suppose they would love to get another one in if it's if it's doable but you've got Mason Mount who can play there you've got Reese James you've got Chalabar uh, you've got Ethan Ampadu if he was to stick around and Mason Mount as Gareth Southgate spoke about in the summer when you're altering things when you're you're chasing a game he gives you that attacking impetus from the middle of the pitch so it it's a nice little ingredient to have in your armory without having to make a substitution because ordinarily Mason's going to be on the pitch. So that I think that comes into his thinking at a push you've got um Ruben and and Andrin as well. I'm stretching it a little bit here because we don't know who's going to remain at the club. But there's options if he wants to just rotate probably that position if they're stretched. Yeah, could always put Christensen there as well, I suppose. Even Kurt Zuma did it in a in a League Cup final once upon a time. Uh, Simon wants to know, has something happened with Ben Chilwell? Gone from Champions League final starter to zero minutes in the Euros, didn't get on the pitch 
on Saturday. Liam, my assumption with that is just because he didn't play any pre-season minutes. But as Simon says, it, it comes off the back of that hugely disappointing European Championships for him. Yeah, I wouldn't read too much into you know the kind of broader picture because that encompasses two very different coaches in Southgate and Tuchel with two different, very different ways of thinking. I mean, the primary reason he didn't play at the Euros because Luke Shaw was amazing. And, and capped a brilliant season for Man United with a, a fantastic tournament. It was a bit strange that Gareth Southgate seemed to conclude that Kieran Trippier was a better left-back than Ben Chilwell as well. But um, that's Southgate's judgment. That's not Tuchel's judgment. We saw how much Tuchel trusted Chilwell when it mattered last season, not least in the latter stages of the Champions League. So I, I think all we're seeing right now is Tuchel just making decisions to try and navigate his squad through quite a fragmented start to the season in terms of when players have come back, what sort of physical state they're all in. I think we're going to see a few of these sort of patchwork lineups until everyone gets up to speed and, and Tuchel can start thinking about actually picking his best team for some of these games. Well, the sharp and Chilwell's focus though, Sam, won't it? A, that Marcos Alonso scored and B, that Emerson came off the bench. Yeah, it will have, will have done, but I, I won't disagree with anything that, that Liam said. I think um, it's been uh, tough, I would imagine, for the, the players that have been away to get up to speed. Um, obviously got the minutes on the training ground yesterday in a thumping 13-0 victory, wasn't it? Um, they've been, been feeling good about things, but Alonso was exceptional at the weekend, not only with his delivery. Obviously, the goal is important in a match where Chelsea didn't make stacks of high-quality chances. So when you've you've got that in your armoury, it's a it's a lovely luxury to have. But without the ball as well, I thought his closing was was excellent. Got caught out maybe for that Wilf Zaha half chance in the second half when him and Rudiger's uh, positions may be questionable. But I think with Chilwell, patience at the moment. But the other thing... So I just alluded to there, against the better sides, when you're asked to defend more, I think Chilwell obviously has probably slightly more in his armoury than than Alonso. So he'll come in. He'll come in at some point. While we're talking fullbacks slash wingbacks, John says, Mr. Reliable, as Piliqueta was subbed off, should we expect him to play a smaller role this season? How likely is it that his contract is extended? Um, Liam, I feel like on, on the latter point there, it surely will be extended, won't it? Because it will suit all parties. Azpilicueta is very happy at Chelsea and feels like the kind of person who would accept fairly readily that as he gets older, his minutes will get fewer. Yeah, I haven't checked in on this situation in a couple of weeks, but the last time I did, there did seem to be a good deal of optimism um, that Azpilicueta would stick around beyond this season. He he has been the absolute quintessential club man, hasn't he? Ever since he arrived at Chelsea. He's he's an excellent choice for, for club captain, even if you're expecting maybe someone like Mason Mount to take over at some stage. And he does seem like the kind of personality who would eventually um, be fairly happy to transition to more of a club role. I've always got the sense that he's very settled living in England, um, not just at Chelsea. He might even remain in England after he's retired. That's how much he likes it here. So, yeah, I don't see any big problems there. I do think he's going to be trying to play more than most people would expect him to this season though because that's just the way Azpilicueta's wired he's always been a super competitive guy he forced his way into the Spain team at the Euros having not been in the starting 11 at the beginning of the tournament I think he played better in bigger games than a lot of people 
expected him to at the end of last season. So I, I do think as Piliqueta's got more in the tank and the fact that he's still got that positional versatility will only help Tuchel find minutes for him. Do you get the credit that he should, Sam? I mean, I've got him pegged as an all-time Chelsea great, but it's kind of an unfashionable position that he plays in. Uh, you know, he was £7 million when Chelsea brought him, which feels like the bargain of the century. And he's won pretty much everything that there is to win with the club and not just, you know, won it in a peripheral role, but often been captain. Maybe not. He might be onto something there. I think when it does come to an end and Chelsea fans reflect, he'll probably get the credit then. But maybe because, you know, he's not scoring freely like a Lampard or a Jogba or lifting, well, he's lifting the trophies, but I don't know, uh, John Terry smashing into challenges, um, homegrown, you know, all these elements maybe mean that he's not that, that, that it's not that fashionable as you say, but I think he's, He's an unbelievable team man, first and foremost, leader. Um, you expect his legs to be going some stage soon, but that doesn't seem to be happening. Um, the point about the Euros is a great point. Didn't win any of their first two games. He comes in, they run to the semifinals. There's there's no surprise in, in, in that for me. And I, I think in that position he was in at the weekend, um, just looking at his touches, uh, Mason Mount's touches, Mason Mount's position, those two have got a brilliant understanding and that was a big reason for that victory at the weekend. Put Mitchell under so much pressure and Chelsea all through the the levels have got that nice habit of uh, the fullback coming inside and one of the midfield players going on the touchline and it worked a great effect for the opening goal. So I thought defensively he gives you that security, but he's surprising me going forward. As He's surprisingly good, um, certainly positional wise. So, I don't see him letting up. Yes, less minutes, but going to be fielded for the important game, surely. Here's the final question from Glasgow Chelsea. It's the toughest one of the lot. What's our best front three now Lukaku has returned? Uh, Liam, I think probably the actual answer to this is there isn't one. It's going to be pretty fluid. But but if I had to force you to name one now, who would you go with? Obviously, Havertz will be in there for you. Havertz plus two, surely. (laughs) Well, funnily enough, Simon and I already looked at this. Um, we did a, a kind of dialogue piece uh, for the Athletic where we where we mocked up our best 11s, um, our respective best 11s. There wasn't much difference. There was there were only a couple of points of disagreement. He's still way out on Jorginho, apparently, uh, <laughs> much more of a Kovacic man, and he thinks it's time for Christensen. But other than that, we were about the same. Um, we both landed on the same front three, which was Lukaku as the nine with Mount and Havertz either side of him. Um, I just think that will probably prove to be Chelsea's best combination against different types of opponents. But I do expect Tuchel to switch it up a lot, depending on what types of teams Chelsea are facing. And I do also think that having Lukaku around will really benefit Werner um, when they do play together, just because they're both so good at moving without the ball both so good at stretching opposition defences. And Werner has kind of profiled in England as someone who's much better suited to being a secondary goal scorer in a team rather than a primary goal scorer. Um, but having said that, I do think Mountain Havertz probably the, the best complement against most teams uh, behind Lukaku. 
difficult to disagree with that, Sam. I guess also with Werner, you think about his main asset being pace. Not that Mountain Havertz are slouches, but if you're going to be bringing Timo Werner on an hour in, then you can really utilise his best asset. I guess the person who, again, we're left feeling sorry for is Hakim Ziyech because he'd looked so good in, in pre-season and this was his chance to start in that front three. Hearing it's only going to be a couple of weeks out, but once you're out of this Chelsea team, it's, it's tricky to get back in. Yeah, and it'd be questionable as as if to whether he and and Havertz would get get the nod in in that role together. Uh, I would say it's the impossible question, really, when you're talking about. I've included Hudson Odoi in this. It's seven into three, um, which just seems crazy. Why the Mason Mount in midfield makes sense to me, probably at some stages, and you know, I'd love him to be able to get four into this side, you know, three behind the, the central striker. And that may happen. It, it probably has to happen against some of the, the weaker sides, maybe in the cup competitions, just to give people minutes um, when you've got so many assets going forward. Um, putting me on the spot, I'd have to agree. If you have to name three, Lukaku plays and, and, and Mount and Havertz, I think at the moment are the, are the two that are bringing the most consistency. Um, but as we saw on Saturday, Pulisic in that position naturally doesn't want the ball to feet really. So he can make dynamic runs in behind the, the striker with his pace, with his mobility and Werner would add something similar. So you, you get that, um, that you probably wouldn't get with the other two, but I just think with, with form, with their standing at the club right now, Havertz and Mount are probably in pole position. Uh, elsewhere in Chelsea news, the under-18s started their season with a 5-2 win against West Brom in the under-18 Premier League South. The wonderfully named Ronnie Stutter scored twice. <laughs> uh, the under-23s start their season away to Spurs this Monday evening. They then host Manchester United at Stamford Bridge on Friday. That's live on the fifth stand. Uh, the women's team beat Rangers 4-1 in a friendly last weekend. The new WSL season kicks off for Chelsea at Arsenal on Sunday, the 5th of September. Right, we're getting close to stoppage time now. Before we go, let's talk debuts. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. So after Trev Chaloba's dream Premier League debut, we asked for some classic and not so classic Chelsea debuts. Here's some that have come in via the Soch. Simon says, worst debut. Thiago Silva's was pretty shocking last season. This was his Premier League debut at West Brom. He did play in the thumping of Barnsley before that, but yeah, not great. Uh, best debut, Simon says, Mario Stanic for that goal. Jim Boyd offered that one too. Here's Stanic with a little room to work in. Whoa! What a strike! Kino says, as far as best go, Juan Matas against Norwich wasn't bad. Uh, Steve adds, I'll always have a soft spot for Joe Allen's debut. Can't beat a vital late goal in front of the shed. That was in a 2-2 against Wimbledon 
back in 1991 or before Liam was born, however you want to look at it. Um, Liam, did you come up with any others? Just to clarify, I had been born, I was two. <laughs> so I wasn't quite yet uh, paying, Disgusting. quite as plugged into Chelsea at that point as I am now. Um, I would add uh, Adrian Mutu. I remember him, didn't he line up a free kick on his right foot, smash it into the wall and then smash it into the bottom corner with his left? Trying their third different free kick taker here, Chelsea. Hasselbank and Veron have had a go previously. Now it's Mutu's turn. Ball. Muto! What a follow-up! What a debut goal! And that was about it for his Chelsea career, essentially. I thought at that point, what a player Chelsea have got. And uh, and that was literally as good as it got. Uh, Sam, what was your, your greatest debut and your worst debut? Uh, me personally or Chelsea? Yeah. Well, either or. Oh, I've got, yeah. Well, um, I'll keep it Chelsea. Youth team debut. Um, I scored a goal when I was 15, probably. I remember it because it was against Tottenham at the training ground. 2-0 behind, 3-2 win. Joe Sheeran got the other two. And I scored a header late on from a Nick Crittenden cross, if uh, mm. listeners remember Crits. I think he made a first team bow. But um, yeah, I was really, really fortunate on debuts. I think I got nine debut goals throughout the career. <laughs> Yeah, so it's not bad. The worst one, oh, probably Northampton during a loan spell from Chelsea. 3-0 defeat at home to Bristol City. Tony Thorpe got a hat-trick and me and Rob Willison had gone to Northampton together um, for the season. Big things expected and uh, it, neither of us got a touch, basically. So that was a, a long 90 minutes. Chelsea-related, I'm going to go for a mate of mine um, during my kind of era at the club, Paul Hughes. Debut goal on at halftime against Derby for Dennis Wise. And he scored a brilliant solo goal. I would I would tell Chelsea fans to go and watch it. Two one-twos. I think the first one's Petrescu, then Mark Hughes. And he scores um, at the Matthew Harding end. And he was a brilliantly cultured midfielder, Hughesy. Had this wonderful array of passing it played lovely passes with the outside of his right foot behind fullbacks and it was sadly curtailed um by a bit of a rare injury stroke illness i think his career um so he didn't ne- play nearly enough games um but yeah great debut and then the the one that sticks out for a poor debut maybe slightly harsh um chris sutton in the sunderland 4-0 opening day just because i think it was a Kind of a sign of things to come, wasn't it? Um, passed up two good opportunities, if I remember rightly. I would have been there. And I think Tor Andre Flo replaced him and was was able to score almost immediately. So it didn't get much better for poor Chris. It's quite something to make a bad first impression in a 4-0 opening. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's particularly harsh. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> right, that'll just about do it for today. Uh, Liam, before we depart, tell us what athletic subscribers can look forward to from you in the coming days. Uh, so I'm working on a uh, a column about uh, Chelsea's title chances. I'm, I'm declaring them title winners after one game. No, um, I'm, I'm talking about why Chelsea fans should be optimistic about a serious Premier League title challenge this season and kind of some of the numbers underpinning that from Tuchel's reign. Um, we're working on a Lukaku-themed piece ahead of the weekend, of course, with him in line to make his debut against Arsenal. 
Um, some some other things in the in the fire as well. I'm sure we'll be writing about Trevor Chalaber a little bit more one way or the other. I'm I'm just waiting to see where his situation lands. Uh, also well worth checking out Simon's joint piece with Raphael Honigstein on the Thomas Tuchel revolution at Chelsea. Uh, Sam, where in the wide world of football will you be this week? Uh, off to the the Den tomorrow. QPR Saturday, Emirates Sunday. So that's a that's a proper week of London football. That is a London triple header. Uh, with those part-timers, Fifield and Johnson on holiday, Liam and Sam will be back with me on Thursday when we'll look ahead to that game against Arsenal. Remember, if you aren't currently a subscriber, theathletic.com slash Chelsea pod is the place to go to become one. We'll speak again Thursday. Until then, it's bye for now. 